So grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3 this morning. I want to share with you from Philippians chapter 3. The title of this message, if you see in your notes, is The Search for Purpose in Life. That is such a coined phrase that I'm almost hesitant to even use it this week with you because we hear it so much. It's something that we see on books and other things and blogs and all those things about purpose. But I think it's important that we talk about it for a few moments. And, and what is beautiful is this, this kind of connects very well with, with the book of Acts teaching that we've done, especially as we're t- teaching from the book of Philippians. Because what I've understood about purpose is this, and we're going to talk, as Paul talks to us about joy, that the path to joy is to understand purpose. It really is. When you understand purpose in life, then it brings about joy. And, and so God has given us a purpose. Paul reveals that to us in Philippians chapter 3 in a few moments. But when we think of purpose, our mind goes in a lot of places. It does. It goes to vocation. It goes to professions. It goes to relationships. It goes to marriage. And it goes to children and all those kinds of things. It goes in, in a myriad of different ways. For some of you, as you get older, then purpose is like retirement, you know, and, and, and you, you, know, you want to move to Florida and you want to get a pair of those like Jesus sandals and wear black socks and Bermuda shorts and have a three-wheel bicycle. You know, that's kind of what you're looking forward to. Yeah? And if that's what you want to rock, that's what you rock and you rock it well. So that's fine. Absolutely. But I think what happens in our culture is that we take, we take benefits and we confuse them with purpose is what we do. We take benefits and we confuse them with, with purpose in our lives. And you say, Mark, why do you say that? say that? Because once we achieve some of those things that I've talked about, then there's still emptiness inside of us. We still feel like something is missing within us because benefits of life were never meant to that overshadow, that a purpose of life. Benefits in life, those common graces that God blesses us all with, push us toward the Creator. And that is important that we understand that. Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians, before we get to Philippians 10 and 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you do, he says, you do it all to the glory of God. So there's purpose for our lives. There's direction for our lives. You know, we're, we're fresh off the trail with Paul. We ended, we ended in that of uh, Acts chapter 20, his third missionary journey. He goes back to Jerusalem. If you've not been with us through that journey, then you've not missed anything concerning today. So don't get like, all crazy at me because you don't know where things are going, but that's not it. But what we find in Philippians, we find that Paul is writing a, a letter back to the church at Philippi, a church that he loves greatly, a church he's very, very connected to, a church that when he was in a city called Troas, or Troas, that in Troas, that he receives a vision and it's known as the Macedonian call. And, and the call is that there's a man in Macedonia calling him and says, come over and help us, Paul. And so Paul answers that call, but he makes a couple of wrong turns before he ever gets there because sometimes that's our, that's our way that we live life. It is. We hear the voice of God, but we may make a few turns before we get to where God truly wants us to be. And when he gets there, and what we understand about Philippi is it is the gateway to Europe. And when he gets there, oh, it's not what he expects. And that's like life too. Absolutely. Because when he gets there, what he does, he encounters Lydia, the seller of purple, and she's down by the river with a, a, some other women, and they're praying because there's not enough men in the town to have a synagogue. And he comes, he's simply followed around by this young slave girl who is possessed by evil spirits who is continually badgering him. And in love and in frustration, he turns to her and he sets her free. And after that good deed that him and Silas are thrown in jail, and after that night of a good real worship set in the jail cell, you know, the God shows up, right? And he shakes the jail and all the doors are opened up and all the restraints fall away, yet no one escapes. And so from all of that, the church at Philippi is born. 
And so Paul is now removed from there. <clears throat> He's no longer there. And he finds himself in Rome somewhere around AD 61 and 62. And he's writing this letter back to this church who he's greatly invested with with his heart. And we know that there's an investment on their part also. Because the letter to Philippi gets back by a man by the name of Ephorodius. And Ephorodius travels all the way to Rome to see Paul in prison. Because he wants to bring Paul some financial support from the church in Philippi. So they are invested in him and he is invested in them. And from this powerful letter is where we hear words like this, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's where you find that in Philippians. We hear words like this, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We hear words like verse 6 in chapter 1, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is purpose, and that is what this is about. There is purpose, and when we find purpose, we find joy within our life. And the purpose of our life? Oh, it's to work real hard all these years, and to retire, and to move somewhere where you don't have winter time. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Don't, don't misunderstand me. That's not it at all, okay? Yes, if I can move to a Caribbean island, then, you know, you might be praying for me today to go somewhere. Okay, I don't know, right? But yet, yet, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what I'm saying to you, those are benefits. And what purpose is, well, Paul points that out to us in Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. It is to know him. That's it. It's to know Christ. That is purpose in our life, is to know Christ our Lord. So here is what he says in Philippians 3, verse 1, as we start our study this morning together. He says, finally, my brothers, and he also includes sisters also, culturally, finally, my brothers and sisters. And Paul, what said? He uses the word my there. He could have said absolutely finally, brothers and sisters, but he uses the word my to simply denote that relationship that he has with the church, the Philippian church. It's, it's, he's not writing to just any group of people, but he's writing to this group of people that he's both invested in and they are invested in his life. And here's what he says. I want to talk to you about joy for a moment. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And those in the Lord words are perfect and they're absolutely necessary for us to read in context there. Because he could have said rejoice, but he says rejoice in the Lord. He says, I want to talk to you about joy for a moment within your life. And he continues to say to write the same things to you is no trouble. I've done this before. I've spoken these things to you. And, and it is safe for you, he says. But I'm not only, I think what I, what I glean from that is not only has I, have I said these things to you, but I've modeled these things for your life in the way when I lived among you. So here's my first thought as I begin to read through this text is this. Joy is more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. And that's not just a song by Boston. Okay, understand that, right? Yes, and you get that in your mind right now. But it's really, it's more than a feeling. In fact, the word that he used here is, is actually a verb. It's an experience. It's more than just a fuzzy feeling that we have inside, but it's a worship experience, an expression of worship. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, rejoice in the Lord, because why? Because the Lord is that of the basis and focus of all of our rejoicing. And you have to understand context here and what's going on in Philippi because what's happening is this. Paul is not physically there any longer. And so these Judaizers have showed up. And what they're saying to the Philippian church is this. Hey, it's great that, you, especially to the Gentiles, it's great that you have come to know Christ. It's great that you're following the teachings of Jesus. But here, you also have to follow this book, they say. You also need to follow the Torah. You also need to follow the law. And very specifically, that you need to follow the teachings of the law as it concerns circumcision. 
And so this is what you got to do. So it's no longer what Paul would have been teaching to them, and that is that it's the cross plus nothing, because Paul is the one that says, I come and preach the Jesus and him crucified. So it's no longer the cross plus nothing, and it's no longer that of Jesus plus nothing, but now it's Jesus plus human ability, that somehow it's going to enhance your relationship with God. And you say, well, that's wonderful historically, but what does that really have to do with us? Because we've all taken things in our life apart from Christ, and we've tried to enhance our relationship with God in that area of our life. What this is, this is the poster child of religion, is what this is. Exactly what it is. It's the poster child of religion. It's simply saying, oh no, it's not just the cross in my life, but it's the cross plus something else that I have to do to help God out. Because Lord knows God needs Help when it comes to me. Look at me. God really needs some help when it comes to me. So here's what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Yes, it establishes that foundation of a relationship with Christ. If that statement eliminates any kind of thought of, of that of mere religion, regardless of how innocent, regardless of how somewhat virtuous the observance might be. It's not like they're saying, hey, we want you to worship idols, and then we want you to worship Jesus over here. That's not it. We want you to take the law, the Torah, and we want you to kind of mix that with the teachings of Christ, and that's going to somehow enhance your spiritual relationship with God. And what that does, that robs us of our joy. Because anytime you place your confidence in something other than Christ, it's going to rob you of the joy of your life. And you need to know that. You say, Mark, is that why I'm struggling with joy this morning in my life? It very well could be. Because this teaching is not simply a moment to question your salvation. It's not that at all. But I think it's a diagnostic to lay over your life to see this morning where your confidence lies. Because if your confidence is built upon your faithfulness and not upon his faithfulness, that you're going to suffer a joy deficit within your life. It's going to be impossible for you to rejoice in the Lord when you're, not, when you're trusting in how good you are and not how good God is. And you become that personal source of joy for your life. And how has that worked out good for you so far? It hasn't. It hasn't. Yes. So Paul says, hey, I'm writing this to you again. Man, I've told you guys this. I've lived this before you. But I want you to hear it one more time because this is really important for you to hear and to live by. I lived this out when I was among you. You know, in, in my, my imagination, he, he may be thinking, oh, he's thinking about Lydia, the seller of purple, and him sharing the gospel with her and her whole family comes to Christ. He's probably thinking about the slave girl who is possessed by evil spirits, who he simply speaks the word of Christ over and she is set free. He's probably thinking about the Philippian jailer who simply, well, he almost takes his own life, but Paul's in the center of the jail. And, and Paul yells out, don't take your own life because we're all here, Paul says, Paul, and he shares the gospel and he and his family come to Christ. Paul never says, hey, listen, here's the thing. Before we can share the gospel message with you, you got to do a couple of things. One, you got to let us go. And two, you got to right all the wrongs of your life as if God needs help. Where does your confidence lie? Is it the cross plus something in your life? Is it? And I think that that's so difficult for us to grasp when we're sitting in church. 
Oh, I'm in church, you know? I'm in church. I'm here, man. Isn't that good enough? I hear people say to me all the time, I've heard people say many times to me, well, at least I was in church, you know, or at least I was there as if it was the least thing you could do on your schedule today. But no, no, but I'm here. And it's very difficult for us to see, I think, those areas in our life where our confidence is in something else other than Christ. So Paul fleshes this out for us. Look at verse 2. He says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Oh, Paul doesn't pull punches, right? These Judaizers, man, and in his absence, they've come into his brothers and sisters in Philippi, and, and, and they, they have simply said to understand Christ and have a relationship fully with Christ, then, then you're not complete until you add these things with this. He's not asking them to build idols. He's saying, no, you add these things in there, specifically that of circumcision. And so Paul's response to that is, hey, look out for the dogs. He's calling them dogs. And, and he goes on to say, for we are the circumcision, speaking of us, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And, and I underline this part, put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the flesh. And you say, well, you know, man... I, I've known that person next to me is a little shifty, but now I know for sure. And so I'm not, to trust, I'm not to trust them. It's very easy to take your eyes off of yourself and put it on someone else. But this is about you. This is about you. This is about where your confidence lies. This is about who you trust in. He says in verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh... I have more. And you want to stop for a minute and say, man, somebody needs to have a little chat about Paul, with Paul about humility, don't they? Yes, when you read that, you wonder that. Why is Paul so upset? Come on, Paul. It's, it's just circumcision. Come on. And I don't know if you can really say that properly, and it really, you know, it, it doesn't kind of sound right, but it's just that, you know. And our relationship and our spiritual health has always come down to where we place our confidence. Where do you place your confidence? Where have you invested your confidence in your life as it relates to Christ? Where? You see, this is a moment for us to look very deep within our own lives and answer that question. Because here's the next thought I had. We are to place no confidence in the flesh. That's what he says. And, 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 and it really, it focuses on our past because it focuses on his past. He brings that out. It focuses on our past. It's, it's our religious history is what it is. Paul, Paul is angry. He's really, he's upset at, at the point that he uses sarcasm, that he calls these Judaizers dogs. And I thought, well, why does he do that? And to understand the culture is this, that in this culture, that the dogs are, they're lowly animals and they're viewed as extremely un clean animals. And, and some of you are thinking, Mark, I'm offended by that because you don't know my fur baby. My fur baby is like a human in my house, you know? Yeah, that my fur baby gets anything it wants. It sleeps with me, all those kinds of things. And that's wonderful if you have a fur baby and you think of that. But here is what they, they thought in this culture. Dogs, man, they're the lowliest of many of the animal kingdom. They're the dirtiest and so what the Judaizers would look at the, at the Gentiles and they would say, you know what, you, until you add this to Christ, until you add this thing of circumcision to that of your experience with Jesus, 
then they will view you as, or we view you as unclean. They view them as dogs is what they did. And I think this is wonderful about Paul because Paul is calling them the very thing that they think they, that the Gentiles are. It's great. It's sarcasm. Yeah, so sarcasm is a spiritual gift. I didn't know if you knew that or not, okay? But, but there it is, yes. Some of you, pos- I know, some, I heard somebody say, uh-oh. You know, it's like, now here it goes, you know, I can justify all that. No. But Paul paints him with the same brush they would paint our Gentile brothers and sisters. He says they're evildoers. They're legalists. That what appears to be righteousness is not righteousness at all, but it is self-righteousness built upon themselves. That they reject the righteousness of Christ and they become their own savior. And we are super lousy saviors, all of us in this room. They, it's a mutilation of the beauty of grace itself. And Paul says, hang on, wait a minute. I want to share some truth with you. He says that we, including himself, Jew and Gentile, we are the circumcision. That this is not about an observance. No, even if it comes from the Old Testament, this is not about observance. This is about a relationship. Because this is more about my heart than it is my hands or my efforts. And so I think we have to ask, what are we trusting in today? Because what we trust in directly relates into how we live life. So in light of Paul saying that, they have no confidence in the flesh. I think what we discover in this text is that there are two ways to live life. There are two ways that we can live life. One is this, that we can... Live life in the flesh. Now, Reba told me today I have to go from left to right. So if I go from left to right with you guys, you know what that means? That that's backward for me, okay? And I struggle with forward, much less backward. So you're going to have to kind of bear with me for a moment, okay? And so this is for all those on the sides. We live in the flesh. That's what that says, right? Yes, make sure, okay? Okay, we live in the flesh. (laughs) And, And the other way that we... We live as we live by the Spirit. There's two ways. If you read Scripture, we understand that's what it teaches us, that we live there. We live one or the other. And so when I begin to think about this a lot, what I realize is that that life in the flesh, oh, it's centered on the creature. It's centered on me, not the Creator. And so what this is in that of living in the flesh, it's living in the box of my own reality. I really wanted to sit down in this today, yes. And, and so it is, I don't know if I can cross my legs or not. There. See? Somebody call 911 for rescue, please. It is, it's living in my reality. This is my life. And look who's sitting in the center of my reality. It's who? It's me. Yeah, that's it. So the way I view life is very different when I'm walking in the flesh, living in the flesh. Because I don't view it outside the box. I view it as if everything about me is all those culturally prescribed titles in my life that I'm a father and I'm a husband. And, and, and I don't want to demean those things because that's who I am. I'm a father and I'm, I'm a husband, and I'm a grandfather, absolutely, and I'm a father-in-law, and what are the other things I do? I don't know. I cut the grass, and I wash dishes sometimes. I do that, and I have to say that, and I do that, and I help 
Well, I should be careful. And so I, you know, not to blow it up bigger than what it is, right? And, and, and I, um, oh, I'm a pastor. That's right. I forgot that one. I'm a pastor. Yeah. Got to say that one, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's me. Yeah. And I kind of live in this box and I'm the center of, of, of my reality. And so when things happen in my life that don't go my way, I, I have no idea about how that works in anything bigger than my life. Because this is where I am and this is what I see. But when I'm in the flesh... <laughs> hang on, get a minute. It's not always easy to get out of the flesh, I want to tell you that. Right? Okay, that's a good illustration. That one just came to me, okay? There you go. That had to be the Holy Spirit right there. Get adjusted here. But when I'm here... Oh, not only does life appear differently, but I think my approach to life is different because I'm no longer the, the centrality of my reality because my reality becomes Christ. The, the, the purpose of life is not me. The purpose of life is knowing Him is the purpose of life. And, and so when life doesn't go my way, and I'm and I'm in, I'm I'm walking by this. But now I used by, and you'll find in Scripture they use the word by a lot because I truly believe that that it's simply it's something that is outside of us, something that is more powerful in us that is dwelling inside of us. So it's by the Spirit. And when I live by the Spirit, oh, I realize that there's something bigger than a box. That's what I want to say. There's something much bigger than the box. There's something greater in purpose for my life than just, I have to do those things. I understand that. I have to do those things, but yet there's something more than that. And that is purpose, and that is knowing Him and walking by the Spirit. That brings joy. Yeah, it's not that I get everything I want. It's not that everything goes my way. But that is the thing that brings joy is to know him. But the flesh and the spirit are realities of our life, aren't they? I mean, that's where we are. I, I, can I read to you Galatians 3 and 2 and 3? It, it says that to us. It says, let me ask you only this. Paul says, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You know, he knows that we're going to struggle with this kind of thing. He knows that. And he says in verse 3, says, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit, that the Spirit calls you. We know that the Spirit works in our life long before we make that sinner's prayer known to God. Long before that, the Holy Spirit draws us to Him. We, we know that. So he says, having begun by the Spirit, that of redemption, you are now being perfected by the flesh. And there's a question mark there. So Paul says, hey, listen. I'm going to level the ground for you. If anybody has any propensity to simply walk in the flesh or live by the flesh, it is me. And that's not pride, but it's reality. Because here's what he said in Philippians 3, verse 5. And this is like his resume, okay? That's what this is. This is his resume. It says, circumcision on the eighth day. And, and I would have to stop and say, that, you know, I wouldn't always encourage you to put that on your resume, okay? I really don't. Because, I mean, 
That's not a point of discussion uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, at, to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, he said. Here's what he said in, in my, my words. I've done all the right things. I was raised on the right side of town, whatever that might be, you know, and we've heard those things before. I come from good stock, as it is, we're family. I attended a prestigious university. I'm motivated to success. I was a good man, but there's no future in that. And, and this is what I wrote this week in my journal as I was reading through this text. I said this, yesterday's fuel can't be the fuel that I run off of today. It can't. Yesterday's fuel can't be the fuel that I run off of today. So what am I trusting in? Where is my confidence? Where does my confidence lie? Because if your confidence lies in anything other than knowing Christ, then your confidence lies within yourself, and that is self-righteousness. And you will always struggle in joy, in that area of joy in your life, because you will not understand your purpose in this world, and your purpose in this world is not just to live in the box. For Paul makes that very clear to us. And then the book of Romans makes that very clear in Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And we have to do that, right? I mean, that's, that's a part of our reality. Listen, after Mark is quiet and we pray and we sing a song at the end, you're going to go eat and drink. You're going to eat a bunch of tacos and then you regret it later, but yet you're going to go eat those tacos. And all that. So that is the reality of our life. That's the box that we live in. We have to take care of those things. We have to eat and drink and take care of the body. But here's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are powerful words for us today. So, where is our confidence? Can I continue reading? Philippians 3, verse 7, last few verses that I read, and we talk for a few moments. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And you think, oh, that's just a mindset that I see things differently. No, no. Can, can I show you what he says? Because it's more than a mindset. Indeed, I count everything as loss. And that surpasses a mindset because of the surpassing wealth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I like the translations that say dung. I like that, you know. I do because it just hits harder, you know. Kind of like. Dung, and if you look at the word, it's vulgarity is what it is. It's actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad word. So he says, I count them as dung in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him. He said, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him. 10 and 11 is the key. And I share that as the last thing today, that I may know him. And this is powerful. So how does that work in my life then? Because I like steps. I'm a linear thinker. I like steps. Sometimes you go to a, you know, a teaching and they kind of point you in a direction. No, I want a map. That's what I want. You know, That's why I like apps that tell you how to get to some place. I love the, the, the Waze app. I've told you that before because it tells you about things that are in the road ahead of you. In South Carolina, it says pothole ahead, right? But in South Carolina, it says pothole, 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 pothole ahead, right? Yes, it should say clear 
smooth pavement ahead, you know, and that's what it should say, right? It also tells you where the police are. Not that I need that, not what I would be driving out of grace, but, you know, it does say that to you. Yes, Lord, you know. And so, yes, but I like a map. Here's what Paul does. He gives us a map that I may know him. How does this work in my life? This is spiritual movement. This is me moving from that of in the flesh to living by the Spirit. This is spiritual movement in my life. So how does this work? Ah, here it is. Now I have to line these up the right way. So make sure that I put them the right way. Okay, this is it. Left is this. If that's the first one, this is left to right. Yeah, so that's it. Okay, that one there. And that one there. I talk to myself. I don't know if you guys talk to yourself or not, but I talk to myself. So do you really? Okay, all right. That's pretty good. Is it okay? As long as you, <laughs> Some of you answer yourself, though. That's, that's the tough part about it, right? Yes, and then you disagree with yourself. Okay, here's the thing. He says, so it's about knowing him is what it's about. It's about knowing Christ, that I may know him. And so what Paul does, he gives us, uh, and we've used this before because Paul writes in these forms a lot. He gives us a chiastic. A chiastic is a form of communication that simply wants to teach you a point. It starts with a place. It usually ends with the same place. And the two points in the middle usually relate to one another. That's a chiastic. And so he says, hey... If I'm to know him, this is how it starts. It starts with, the text says, the power of the resurrection. That's how it starts. It starts with the power of the resurrection. Yes, that's that moment that the Lord convicts us, that moment. It, in fact, it's Paul uses this because he relates this to his Damascus Road experience. It's that moment that he meets Christ on the Damascus Road and he comes face to face with a resurrected Christ in a vision. And Jesus speaks to him. It's that moment that we come to that place where we know we need Christ and we experience the power of his resurrection. But it's not just the power of the resurrection. It's the presence of Christ that comes with that. Because he promised when he left us that he would not leave us comfortless. So it's the power of the presence of Christ that, stay, that simply walks with us. So I have this experience with God. This is where it starts. It's the power of the resurrection. Then I know that he is walking with me. He is walking with me on this daily journey. So here's the next step, he says. This is it, to know him. You're going to really like this one. Oh, you already have it up there, isn't it? So that, that's it. Here it is. That's the one I want to get in line for right there. That's it. I love the suffering thing. For those of you on the side that you want to see that, if you wonder that, that's what it is. Yes, and so I'm standing in line for this one. Really? Because that's not the line I want to be in. To know him is to live in the power of his resurrection, the presence of his resurrected resurrection, but to share his suffering? What is, what is, that, what is that about? What, what does that have to do with me? And it's not just about suffering because we suffer in a broken world, but it's about purpose behind that. It's about the understanding that, yes, I'm going to have tough times as a believer within my life. That's going to happen with me as, as, as a follower of Christ. But what I realize is there's purpose in that because I see beyond the box of my life. I see beyond the place where I'm the center of all of the things that goes on in my life. And so here is the thought that, that 
that this suffering has some purpose in my life? Can I tell you something? You've got to love me after I say this to you, all right? Here's a thought. Suffering is part of your relationship with Jesus. Did you know that? There is a place for suffering in your life. We talked about that the other week. So here's the thing. I've had this experience with God, and and I'm I'm simply uh, the power of the resurrection. I I share in his suffering, and here's what that leads to. It leads to simply becoming like him in his death is what it leads to. That's, That's the next thing. And, and see, they're both bees because those two relate to one another. And it's becoming like him in his death. Because in his suffering, at least it's something greater than I am. That, that my purpose in life is not just to fulfill those prescribed identities of the things that I am. Pastor, father, grandfather, and all those kinds of things. But there's a purpose in my life even bigger than that and greater in that. And that is that through the suffering that I experience in life, that I'm becoming like him in his death. What was accomplished in Christ's death? And that is redemption of mankind. So here is the thing. If you start from the very beginning, if I'm moving from flesh to spirit, and that is that it's the power of the resurrection I experience in my life, then I experience the suffering of Christ for a purpose in my life, and that's become like him in his death. That is because Christ has called me to make him known to others. He is the instrument that he chose to speak through. See, this is why I'm a linear thinker, because I like a straight line here. And so this brings me to the last one. Because it very much relates to the very first one. That I attain the resurrection from the dead. That I experience the resurrecting power of Christ in my life and the presence of God in my life daily. That I take part in his suffering because it's about a greater purpose for my life than just living in the box, the prescribed things of my life. That it leads to that of I simply... I simply share in his death. And that is that this is about me making him known to others. And I live in the hope. I live in the hope that one day at some point in the future, whether it's simply by that of resurrection or whether it's by transformation, that simply that I will be with him again and he will return and he will make all things right. And that is the hope that gives me joy in all of this. That's how we know him. That is how we know him. Paul, in 10 and 11, he, he just lays that out so powerfully for you and I to have something to hang on to. Here, here's the thing, and I will say this and we're going to pray. And you say, Mark, you said all the time. I know, but I'm serious about this because you've got to go eat. But here's the thing I want to say to you. That this is more than just a, a good feeling. And this is more than just the warm fuzzies. And, and this, is more, this is more than, than, than just being pumped up when you come to church. But I, I come up with this analogy, right or wrong, don't judge me on it. But I said that this is something that you can sink your teeth into. And this is something that can sink its teeth into you. That this is... This is how I know him, Christ the Lord, that he's the Lord of my life. Because what I realize is this, that walking with him and knowing Christ, it's, it, it's, it's more, 
it's more than just intimacy. Because when we come here, we feel good, and that's wonderful. And, and, and we want you to be inspired and encouraged. We want you to sense the presence of God as spiritual beings. Absolutely. We want you to have those whatever you want to call them, you know. If it makes the hair on your neck stand up, or if it's it simply if it, makes you, if it makes you have Holy Ghost goosebumps, or whatever you want to call those things, you know. I don't know. But we want you to sense that. We want you to have intimacy with God in this place. We want you to have times and moments with God. But what I also realize, knowing God is not just intimacy, but it's also devotion. It's also devotion. Because I think it would be it would be easy to stop here. That's wonderful. If we could just hang here. But to know him, I have to, I must share with his suffering. To know him that has to transition into becoming like him in his death. These are Paul's words, not mine. That I have this hope that I attain the resurrection from the dead. And now I'm walking by the Spirit. Because my life is bigger than me. The purpose is bigger than just what I do. But this is to know him and to make him known to others. So my question to you for a moment is this. Where does your confidence lie? Have you simply tried to add things to your experience with him? Maybe to skirt this in some ways. Where does your confidence lie? Are you trusting him completely? Or is it, well, I go to church, so I trust that. No. Well, I have a great Bible app. I trust that. No. Those are all elements, I think, of your spiritual health, but yet they are not the essence of your spiritual health. Your spiritual health is... Not having confidence in the flesh, but placing your trust in Christ, your Lord. That's it. So for a moment, would you bow your heads? For a moment, we take inventory of our lives. We are transparent to ourselves we push the facade aside and the the things sometimes that we hide behind all the excuses that we might make for a lack of joy within our lives and we ask ourselves where does our confidence lie who do we trust in Because you cannot continue to run today on yesterday's fuel. It doesn't work that way. So, Father, in this moment, open our hearts to you.
Father, in this quiet time of reflection, that you would speak to us, God. That our desire in life is to know you But yet, Father, maybe we have not known the way, and today Paul has shown us the way. That as we think about our life sitting here, we see things that we have placed our confidence in as it relates to our relationship with you that we've added to the cross. And today we say no more, for it's the cross plus nothing in our life. God, we continue to do the things that we do in life. But we realize that our life is not just the box. But our life is the wonder and the power. The even unimaginable things that you have designed us to be. And the greatest of all of that is to make you known. So, Father, let this be a moment of diagnosing our own spiritual lives, opening our hearts to the Spirit as He reveals things to our hearts. say, Lord, with all of our might and all of our strength, that our confidence today is in you. That our confidence today is in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for speaking to us this morning.